the flesh is still going to call. It's still going to text. But we have to say, no, you're dead to me. I ignore those calls. I block those texts. I don't respond to them. Hello, friends, and welcome. Thanks for listening. A few podcasts ago, I talked about disappointment in spiritual leaders. And in that podcast, I talked about how when anyone walks in the flesh, they are capable of any sin. And it doesn't matter how famous they are, how many years they've been in ministry, how many books they've written. We can all commit the same sins when we walk in the flesh because our flesh is dead because of sin. And when we get saved, our flesh does not improve. We get a new spirit and we learn how to walk in the spirit and we learn how to put to death the flesh. And then a couple of other podcasts came out on the podcast feed that I had pre-recorded actually uh, several months ago, but I had scheduled them out to February, but then I forgot that I had them scheduled to come out. So I was actually uh, surprised when they showed up in my uh, podcast feed. But what I wanted to do originally was to follow up the podcast dealing with disappointment in our spiritual leaders with this podcast on walking according to the Spirit, walking depending on the Spirit. And I got a comment on the podcast dealing with disappointment in spiritual leaders uh, from my brother Dave. He wrote, thank you, brother. Really looking forward to the next podcast. Need to know how, in all capital letters, to crucify the flesh, practically speaking. That's what many have no clue about. Love you, man. Okay, I love you too, man. Dave is my brother in the Lord, and I love him, and I'm grateful for him. So, Dave, how do we crucify the flesh, practically speaking? Well, the Bible tells us to consider ourselves dead. Romans 6.11 says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, over in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In the message version, that verse says, And that means killing off everything connected with the way of death. So kill it off. Kill it. Put it to death. And Brother Dave is wondering, how? How do we crucify the flesh? How do we put it to death, practically speaking? Well, sometimes, you know, people jest. I guess sometimes people say it not in jest, but hopefully more in jest. People say, you're dead to me. And if someone was to use that in all seriousness and got really upset with someone and they said, you're dead to me, what's that mean? It means I'm not going to interact with you anymore. If you call me, I'm not going to answer. If you text me, I'm not going to respond. It's as if you are dead to me. It's as if you don't exist. It's as if you are not on the planet. You are no longer alive to me, and I'm going to completely ignore you. And I think that's a pretty, pretty good place to start. We can expect that our flesh is going to have broken desires, that our flesh is going to want things that are bad for it, that are sinful, that are contrary to the purposes of God for our life. And we talked about that in the previous podcast, and we know that from uh, Romans chapter 8 and from Galatians chapter 5. So the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, 
for these are opposed to each other. So when we have desires from our flesh, they have to be dead to us. We have to count them dead to us, according to Romans 6.11, where we started. Now, I think there are all sorts of practical steps we can take to protect ourselves from being in compromising situations. And I've talked about before, for example, in the case of sexual immorality, we don't try and overcome sexual immorality. The Bible tells us that we should flee, get away from sexual immorality. So there are certain situations where we should just never put ourselves as believers. The Bible exhorts us to avoid even the appearance of evil. So we need to be wise in how we make decisions, and ultimately, we need to be led by the Spirit. As we go through our day and we learn more and more what it means to live out of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, then we won't find ourselves in these compromising positions. We won't find ourselves placing ourselves in places we shouldn't be because we'll be walking in step with the Spirit. We'll be led by the Spirit. We won't be led into those places that we shouldn't be at all. And so it's simple. And like so many things in the scripture, it's really not complicated. That doesn't mean it's easy. So something can be simple and still be difficult, but it really isn't that complicated. It's really just more of a question that we find comfort in those appetites and uh, trying to gratify those appetites that we have, that we still believe a lie that our happiness is going to be derived from satisfying these fleshly appetites. And I think as we grow, and hopefully we can you know, grow quickly in our faith, and we can stop believing the lie that satisfying these fleshly appetites will bring us happiness, and we can realize our greatest joy is to be found in obeying Jesus. And we realize God is so wonderful and so kind and so good. All he wants to do is bless us and fill our lives with joy and peace. And I think that makes us willing to give up anything to obey him and to follow him. But we have to get that clear in our head. We can't be like the servant in the parable of the Minas in Luke chapter 19 who says, I know you're a hard man. You know, that person, that servant had a vision of his master where he believed his master was a hard, demanding master. And so he wasn't willing to go the extra mile and serving his master. He wasn't willing to take any risks to multiply that which his master had entrusted to him. And the master said, you're a wicked, lazy servant. And the reason he wasn't willing to take any risk, he wasn't willing to do anything to produce a gain for his master is because he had the completely wrong concept of the nature of his master, of what his master was like. And I think once we realize how wonderful, how good, how awesome God is, that in God's presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures evermore, then we will realize what I'm I'm an idiot to try and find satisfaction anywhere but in God. You know, too many of us have probably been exposed to an appeal to guilt uh, to get us to do the right thing rather than an appeal to God's goodness. Uh, the appeal to guilt makes us think that somehow we are good for making Jesus our king. Like somehow we're we're the ones that deserve a pat on the back for making Jesus our king, and we're doing something. We're doing a Jesus a favor by doing so, right? But the truth is, uh, it's His goodness that draws us, and it's His goodness that He would even be willing to be our king. That He doesn't just 
snuff us out of existence is a testament to his patience, to his kindness, to his compassion. And it's not my goodness that makes me want to have Jesus as my king. It's the goodness of Jesus that makes me want to have him rule over me, that causes me to desire his rule in my life. Um, It's stupid not to follow Jesus. It's madness not to submit our lives to Jesus Christ. Our following Jesus benefits us. It doesn't bring any benefit to God except to show, to demonstrate the riches of his kindness and his mercy that he would allow people like us to be adopted into his family. And so I think uh, perhaps one of the practical steps we can take in crucifying our flesh and making it easier to ignore those broken appetites that we have is to get a vision of how wonderful and how good God is, you know, to spend time worshiping him, to spend time cultivating a relationship with, with him in prayer, and to feast on the riches of his goodness that are available to us that we see in his son, Jesus Christ. And so I know some people may think that that's not a practical answer, but it is the answer that the scripture gives us, and it is the life that we're called to. You know, the scripture um, in the new covenant, God's law is written upon our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, God's indwelling presence to lead us and to guide us into life, in our relationship with God, to have a, a, a lively, active relationship with the creator of the universe, with our maker. And so it's not about following a bunch of rules, um, like here's 12 steps for crucifying the flesh. And and people still like to come up with those, even from the first century. Even you know in the first century church, people were coming up with rules, like here's, here's all the stuff you have to do to be a Christian. But Paul pushed back against those. In Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verse 20, he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So Paul's saying, you know, you can have a very structured life and you can make a lot of rules where people will pat you on the back and and you know give you a thumbs up and you've got this really tight system in religion but it's of no real value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh because it's an issue of the heart and when the holy spirit comes and changes our heart then we learn to walk in step with the spirit and then it becomes not a matter of following a bunch of rules but a matter of enjoying fellowship with god and living in fellowship with God, and enjoying submitting to the reign of Jesus in our lives because we know that it's good for us, and we know that it brings the joy and the blessing of God into our lives. And our greatest joy is just being in fellowship with him and and doing the things that he's called us to do and that he's inviting us to do. So I hope that's a a blessing. I hope that encourages you and um, rejoice that God has not given us another set of rules to follow. You know, in the Old Testament, they had 613 rules, and they were blessed if they kept them, and they were cursed if they didn't keep them. But in the New Testament, Christ has become a curse for us. And so we are freed from the curse of the law. We are freed 
from the law of sin and death, and we are uh, liberated to walk in fellowship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Thank God for his great grace. Hallelujah. What an unspeakable gift that God has given to us. So, Brother Dave, I hope that is somewhat of an answer. Remember, Galatians chapter 5, it doesn't say that if you walk according to the Spirit, you won't have the desires of the flesh. It says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, the flesh is still going to call, it's still going to text, but we have to say, no, you're dead to me. I ignore those calls, I block those texts, I don't respond to them, and when those desires come, likewise, it's dead to me. I ignore it. I don't respond to those desires, those broken desires that lead me to a place of sorrow and to a place of death. I don't want that stuff. I walk according to the Spirit. According to means depending on, in agreement with. I walk in agreement with what the Spirit says about me. The Spirit says that I am the righteousness of God. The Spirit says that uh, I am God's Son. The Spirit, uh, God poured his spirit into my heart to shed abroad the love of God in my heart. The, the spirit tells me that I am the beloved of God. Uh, the spirit tells me that I am a child of light. And so what do light and darkness have to do with each other? So I listen to the spirit and I stay in fellowship with the spirit. I stay in step with the spirit and I don't gratify the desires of the flesh. So brother Dave, I hope that's helpful. Hope that uh, puts things in perspective Uh, not only for you, but for everybody listening, for myself, that I am likewise built up by the word of God, even as I hear it right now. So God, thank you so much for your kindness to us, for your goodness. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit as a deposit of the things to come, that we're going to get a glorified body with no broken desires, with no taint of sin. We cannot wait for our new bodies. We groan for our new bodies. We groan to be covered and righteous flesh and to reign with you forever thank you lord jesus for making these things available to us for your sacrifice on the cross for saving us for rescuing us god we love you we thank you we praise you we worship you in jesus mighty name thank you so much for listening god bless you